0: Hello, my name's David Burns of the Assessment Register and welcome to our podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about remote auditing from the client's perspective. Now, many of you, over the last few weeks, maybe the last couple of months, you've been audited remotely by your certification body or indeed your accreditation authority. Okay, so keeping that in mind, one of the very first things that you should check before you go down the road of remote auditing is the contract obligations that you have with your customers, of course, in terms of non-disclosure agreements when you're sharing data. Now, I know the certification bodies will have a contract with you of non-disclosure, which is fine, but this is different. This is not them coming in to visit you to go through paperwork that you keep at your premises. This is you all of a sudden sending customer information to the certification body Um, many of the auditors of which of course will be working um, at home and that's not to say their home isn't secure but the data information the link well we've heard stories over the years of even government ministers losing stuff on the train or in a bin or somewhere you know so keep that in mind what information can you upload that actually belongs to your customer intellectual property, technical specifications from aerospace and defence types, you know. Okay, so that's the first thing. Check your contract with your supply chain. Now, what I'm doing here is obviously not suggesting for a minute that remote auditing isn't a good thing. It is a good thing. It's a very positive thing. It's an extremely positive thing, so keep that in mind. I don't want to sound like I'm being all doom and gloom here, okay. The next one, of course, is... um, Technology, again, over the last few months, I mean, I've been doing remote audits and we've used Zoom and Teams and WhatsApp and all sorts. And to be honest with you, it all works very well, but it's worth testing the line first. Obviously, try and not to disrupt your computer with too much information or too many programs being left open and stuff hovering around in the background you're better off having a nice clean connection. So technology, test the technology first. Is your home technology, if you are working at home, or your auditor's technology, if they're working at home on behalf of the certification body, just to make sure everything's in tune, okay. And obviously, the next thing is, um, well, what information are you going to give over the um, over the internet? Uh, what access are you going to permit the auditor in terms of is he going to be able to log into your data? Is he going to be able to log into your SAP system or your SAGE system? And again, how is that going to work? And, and, and how are you planning that? And so there's, so there's a few things to consider here. And I mean, it may be stating the obvious, but it's just trying to oil the wheels, if you like, of your mind in terms of don't just go, right. Today is Thursday, it's nine o'clock, I need to contact the certification body because it's a remote audit without having your ducks in a row from a contract and technology point of view or a communications point of view. Now, ask the certification body for a checklist. Okay, this is very important. Once you've got your date and have organized the time and organized the duration, ask them for a checklist of things that you need to provide and also some idea of timing. Because remote auditing is very fragmented. It takes a little bit of planning. You'll find that the Zoom meetings you'll be dipping in and out of, the team meetings you'll be dipping in and out of, the WhatsApping you'll be dipping in and out of. It's not going to be like they're at your premises. So you're not going to be sitting in a boardroom all day going through this stuff. It's going to be pretty fragmented, okay? And again, without stating the obvious, it's not very clinical, like a day or two days or three days it starts to run into hours and minutes that then roll into the next day. As I say, it's, it's quite fragmented, so make sure you have a nice clean checklist, clear scope of the audit, and ask about what documentation and data you need to present on the day. Okay, now the next thing is of course reporting. Now how is the audit gonna be reported? So there's a timeline here again on how that's going to be presented. Now, presumably, the certification body auditor is gonna take this information from you. They're gonna do a certain amount of desk reviews. They're gonna do a certain amount of research themselves. But one thing that will be lacking from the certification body's point of view is they may not actually know you very well. Well, of course, they'll know you as a company and they may well have visited you before. But if it's a new quality manager at your end in the company, in the organization, and it's a new Certification Body Auditor because they've never visited you before. Um, there's a cultural issue here. So they're not going to actually know how you work. They're not going to know much about you. So they're trying to suss you out online, which is actually not easy, is it? There's enough scams and nonsense going on out there to know um, in the banking sector that things aren't always what they seem. So you're going to have to reassure the auditor that you are a nice, warm, cosy company and you actually know exactly what you're doing technically and from the quality management system perspective. So that just gives you a bit of an overview. Things to remember. So from the top, contracts and NDAs with your customers before you talk to the certification body and certainly before you start disclosing stuff to the certification body. Technology. Test the technology. Is your technology compatible with what the certification body or the certification body auditor is going to be using with you? So it's worthwhile having a quick chat first to see whether things work um, and you're all happy with the way things are going to be operating. Also, the checklist. Ask the certification body for a checklist against the scope of what it is they're going to be auditing because it will be different. It it won't be like when they come to you where they can jump about a bit and join up the dots later in the day. No, it's gonna be much more structured. They're gonna be looking at contract review and then going away. Coming back, looking at production planning and then going away. And then coming back and looking at production processes, inspection and calibration, and then perhaps going away. So you can see the whole day becomes fragmented It can be a little bit more awkward to plan, okay. so have that in mind, it's quite frustrating at times but you'll find that you'll get into a bit of a flow, practice makes perfect when it comes to remote auditing of course. You'll also find when it comes to planning it's going to be, you may be charged hours, an hourly rate rather than a day rate. I know that UCAS um, are pretty flexible on remote auditing in terms of the way it's structured and planned. And as long as it's consistent, I don't even think the certification bodies will be given a hard time by UCAS. So you need to plan the time and be aware. Rather like when you're dealing with a solicitor or an accountant, you're going to be on the clock. So as soon as you log in, the clock starts to tick. So the more efficient you can be, the better. OK, so the more planning you have at the front end and a bit of email chatter about what they're going to look at, what they're going to look for, the better The better it's going to be planned and the more cost effective it's going to be for both parties. So and finally, the reporting. Um, how is it going to be reported? What information is going to be reported? And again, you need to just consider and have a chat with the certification body on follow-ups, on any issues they're concerned about. Um, so, you've got more documented evidence that you might have to supply, and it may well prompt a visit. Okay, so that's the other thing to consider. Now, For we engineers and aerospace types, remote auditing is pretty good and it's pretty black and white, but I understand from some accreditation authorities that um, they're quite keen to make sure that certain industry sectors won't be on the receiving end of remote auditing or be quite limited. There might be a combination of remote auditing and site visit. And I understand that that's going to be things like Um, forensics it's going to be things like um, food agri-food sector food processing maybe even laboratory testing Um, it may well be they have to observe at the premises if it can't be done online so try and keep those things in mind as well and I understand as well, a lot of certification bodies will be um, asking for documented evidence of a process that you may well have videoed before, if you like. So when the certification body auditor logs into you, you can then present the case through um, a video that you upload and say, look, this is what we did, this is the process, this is how it works. And of course, then the certification body auditor can come back and comment as necessary. But anyway, back to our reporting. Yes, confirm with the certification body how it's going to be reported, and if there are any issues, how those issues are going to be closed out. And again, timelines. It's very important for the auditor and the certification body to understand timings Um, because you you will be charged. As you know, certification bodies um, are not shy about charging, so keep them on their toes. They're not going to be charging you day rates, very, very unlikely. It'll be more an hourly rate, um, which might, of course, accumulate to a day, but at the same time, um, you need to have an understanding of what it is you're going to be charged for. Some certification bodies, I understand, may well be charging you as a contract value. So if you want ISO 9001, for example, or AS9100, and you've got 30 employees, well, bang, that's the contract value. That's how much you're going to be charged per annum. So it may not be days okay so again it's all it's all up in the air at the moment but um, keep everything, keep an open mind about everything because I know I know that UCAS are, I know that UCAS are trying to get this right and they're trying to strike that balance to make remote auditing work um, so it's up to us um, to, to, to help them um, and try and not pull the wool over people's eyes because again one of the downsides I think or one of the fears if you like of remote auditing is that industry may well be pulling a flanker they may well be pulling the ball over the eyes of the auditor that's sort of logging in. And if you can imagine a horse with blinkers, well, that's kind of how your auditor's going to be. He's going to be like a horse with blinkers trying to look at the bigger picture. But because you're on the other end of the line, on the other end of the Zoom, on the other end of the Teams, he's limited to what he can see, particularly um, if 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 there are some issues um, that you're... I'm just going to say this, but you're hiding from them. <laughs> OK, so there you are. So that... That's our podcast for remote auditing and things to consider. Well, um, have fun. It's going to be good. Okay. Thank you very much.